Okay, freaks, this is the guide to your psychopath. This podcast is not about me telling you how you're fucked up. I'm here to learn about your past and how it affects your decision making. I've been studying people for a long time now, but I've never asked them about how their mind goes through the process. I want to read your guide. I want to know how you think and feel. This will not be edited to take snippets out of context, but I believe everyone will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. All right, welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. This week, I have Cecil Selig-Sosa. And uh, thank you for having us here. And we, we're doing this episode uh, to help me out, but also... Because uh, you would like your grandkids and your family to know as much about you and your life as possible. And uh, so uh, what I would like to start off is, do you remember or do you know where your mom was born? My mom was born in Chihuahua, Mexico. In Chihuahua, Mexico. Mm -hmm. Okay. And your dad? My dad was uh, born in El Paso, Texas. El Paso, Texas. And obviously your mom was Mexican. Your dad was Mexican also. Mexican. Yeah. Half German. Half German, half Mexican? Yes. His dad was German. That's where the Selig comes in. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. And where were you born at? I was born in El Paso also. In El Paso. Do you remember anything like uh, from your childhood in El Paso? Um. We moved here to California when we were, I was like three, so vaguely, I vaguely remember, uh, but we would go back every, twice a year to El Paso to Mm -hmm. visit my grandmother and my dad's family. Oh, they were still out there. They're still, and they're still out there. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what do you remember about your childhood? You know, I had a good childhood. I mean, it was my sisters, I'm one was one of five, one sister passed on, but with my sisters, my childhood was good. Yeah. I mean, I had a good childhood. You guys, uh, like, you guys were able to run around the neighborhood, just be a child, do all that little stuff. I wouldn't say run around because uh, my mom and dad were protective, but we had a yard and we had, you know, the swing set and everything. Mm-hmm. And so we played in our yard. And then my dad bought a, a house. He was working at Whittier College and saw a house they were going to uh, knock down. It was apartments. It had a couple apartments, and uh, he bought it. And he bought it because there was no neighbors. And he always used to say, when you have a lot of neighbors, there's a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with my fight, my girls... You guys are your own friends, and you don't need to be going out all about. You have your own sisters to play with. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys mostly kept to yourselves. I'm sure you had uh, friends in the neighborhood anyways, but... Well, we were all very uh, well-liked, so we had a lot of friends. So our house house was the go-to place for all our friends, yes. They all came down here, and you guys all played around in the neighborhood and stuff Uh like that. You think there was any... uh, do you guys ever worry about gangs or anything around here or anywhere? When we first moved to Whittier, uh, there wasn't that many Hispanic people. 
Really? Yeah. In this, we moved here in 65. It was still predominantly white. Uh-huh. So when I went to uh, elementary school, there was maybe 20 or 25 Hispanic families. There was not that many. Mm-hmm. So we kind of grew up with uh, the Anglos. <laughs> <laughs> but hey... They made good friends because they take us on vacations with them. So. Also, oh, you went a lot of, on vacations with your white friends. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and your parents obviously they had to stay back to work and do all that stuff. My mom was a homemaker. My dad was uh, a plumber for Whittier College. Mm-hmm. And he did that for a long time. He did until he. Uh, you know, back then in the 60s, you didn't tell your boss, well, that's not my job. Whatever they told you to do. That's what you did. That's what you did. Yeah. And they had, uh, he was a plumber, but they had him move some big carpet by himself. And he just said, it's too heavy. I can't do it. But they said, well, you got to do it. And he fell back and he broke his back. Oh. So that was the beginning of hardship for us when uh-huh. he broke his back because he broke it really bad. How old were you at that time? Mm. I think I was like in the first or second grade. Oh, okay. And you're, you had older sisters and brothers? I had uh, two older sisters. I'm the middle child. And then I have two. I had two younger sisters. And then number six was my brother. Oh, okay. They finally tried for the boy, and number six was a boy after five girls. Now, when your dad broke your back, did any of your brothers and sisters have to find jobs and stuff like that? Oh, no, we were too young. Oh, no, no, way no, too no, young. No. What helped is uh, my dad had uh, bought the apartment, so he, he lived on the rentals. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they gave Social Security to all us kids and my mom and my dad. So he was able to... Kind of squeeze by. Squeeze by. Yeah. And my mom was just a... She knew how to, uh, we thought we had meat every day, but she would cook with a lot of potatoes and salsa and a little bit of meat, but we thought we had meat every day. So mm. my mom used to know how to make the food, you know. Stretch. Stretch. Yeah, stretch the, by the, the simple staples yes. and stuff like that. A lot yeah. of beans and rice, but, you know. And our friends always wanted to come over because they loved Mexican food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, God, Mom, can't you make hamburgers? My friend's coming over. <laughs> and they're like, no, we don't want that. We like what your mom makes. Did you? Did she ever make, like, tortillas? Oh, yeah, yeah. she made homemade Fresh tortillas. tortillas. That's the one thing I never did. Like, no, I'm not that, no. I'll just go to the store and buy them. I'm not going to make tortillas. <laughs> but, yeah, my mom made flour tortillas. Yeah, I remember that when I was a little kid. My uh, I lived with my grandma, and she would... Every day would be a stack of fresh tortillas yeah. along with a pot of beans and rice. And then, you know, you had you to had make... your salsa. Yeah, you had to make your own breakfast or serve yourself or make your own breakfast. But that's what she had. Yeah, so I remember those days. Um, it's nice to know that uh, you guys, even though you guys uh, were going through hard times, but you guys still made it, made it, made it through... We did. Yeah. I mean, um, we were probably one of the first families in our school, too, when the free lunches came out. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, you know, my dad signed us up and we got free lunch and stuff. How was your school? Well, I went to good schools, you yeah. know. I enjoyed school. Uh, my older sister did extremely well. She was in all the 
smart classes, and I was in the medium one. Mm. But I, I did good in school. Had a lot of friends. Had a lot of friends. Yeah. And they uh, all the teachers accepted you and just oh, oh yeah. taught we, you as much as they could. We, we were kids well-liked because uh, we were well-mannered. My dad was very strict on manners. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one thing that teachers always noticed about us, that yeah. the Sealy kids had good manners. Even though they had a lot of energy, but still a lot of manners. Yes. Yeah. And uh, even back then, I was kind of a little leader. Um, and I didn't know this until I, I was uh, older. And the principal, he was a teacher at the time, but he became principal. And he let me know that there was a teacher. She was very overweight. And her name was Miss Hazelton. But, and they used to call Wazeton. <laughs> but I loved her because she got, she, after lunch, she would read to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter and the Giant Peach and all these books Mm -hmm. and it was so relaxing and she got me into the love of reading so uh, in class I told everyone to bring a quarter that we were going to have for a party oh there was a lot of people grunting and stuff I said no you got to bring a quarter we're going to have her a party I didn't know it until I was uh, out of high school The the teacher who became principal said that that was the only time we ever saw her in tears. She came into the teacher's room and was in tears because that was the only party she ever had. Mm, ever. Ever. That's crazy. Yeah. So. But she still, even though she didn't feel loved or wanted like that, she still made you guys feel comfortable and try to do everything she could for you guys. She was a good teacher. Yeah. She instilled the love of reading in me. Mm-hmm. Back then, before it was the end thing that you had to read 20 minutes a day or anything. Yeah. I used to read because of her. Uh, because yeah. of her. Yeah. And uh, going into junior high, uh, do you see any of the... Like, I seem to think that uh, junior high is the time when uh, kids' hormones are raging and they go one way themselves. or you go the other way. Yeah. 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 You remember I, junior high? I remember junior high. Mm-hmm. Uh it was a melting pot because that's when I saw different kinds of, because we were Mexicans, but we didn't see like the cholos mm-hmm. or girls with all the makeup in seventh, eighth grade, you know? Yeah. So that was like a culture shock for me, but. And where were they from? Southwood? South uh, uh, Sunrise. Uh-huh. It's an area called Sunrise. Uh-huh. And, uh. Some of those girls were rough. <laughs> they were rough, you yeah. know. But, you know, you don't mess with them. They don't mess with you. Yeah, probably second generation cholas or something. Yeah. yeah. I didn't understand it, but, you know, and to see fighting, like I had never seen people fight like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, Were there a lot of fights in your junior high? Or your middle school? I would say there was... Between the gangs, you know, mm-hmm. Sunrise and Jimtown, and then there was a gang from Whittier. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like to watch fights, so no. You know how, like, people like to sit much? I don't like to see people hurt each other like that. Yeah. It scares me. Yeah. I don't like to see fighting. It's a lot of raw emotion and yeah, just craziness. I don't like that. Okay. Well, um... So you're getting into high school, 
And you're still doing good in your grades? Still doing good in my grades. Uh, uh, I ditched a lot when I got to say I was. <laughs> but I knew when the tests were, and I always studied for the tests, and I did good. And you did awesome. I, and I uh, even went half day my whole senior year because I had more than enough credits. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, my dad didn't give us money, you know, because he didn't have money to give us, so I always worked. Oh, where'd you work at at that time? Uh, my first job at 15, I worked at a beauty salon. I was the cleanup girl, so they would cut hair, and I would sweep up the hair. I would mix the shampoos, clean the brushes, and serve the old women and uh, water, coffee, or tea, whatever. And each hairdresser would give me uh, $3 a day. So back then, I was killing. I was making like 80 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. It was a lot of money, but then, my yeah. dad uh, used to tell you, you got to give your mom $25. Mm-hmm. At the time, like, hi, I'm working. He goes, no, because she's the one who cooks for you, washes for you. Yeah. And, and at the time, I didn't understand, but, you know, you grow up and you think, like, my dad taught us responsibility, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Wherever you go, you've got to help and you've got to monetary help you know so that taught me life uh, long uh lessons in life yeah we seem to be lacking a little bit of uh, responsibility why because more of a culture of uh give me give me give me well because we as parents want our kids to have what we didn't have Mm -hmm. and we're not doing them justice by doing that We're not giving them uh, any kind of strife in their lives where they have to overcome challenges. And they don't appreciate it. Like, you know, they get these expensive uh, games or all these things, and they don't take care of them because it didn't cost them. You know what I mean? They Mm -hmm. didn't have to work for it. So uh, I believe in working for what you get. Yeah. I truly do. That's a good thing. And so you graduated high school. Yes. And then what did you do? Uh... I went to Rio. I got certified as a paralegal. Before, mm-hmm. you just had to get certified. Now you got to get your AA, BA, whatever. But I got certified. I passed the federal government test. Say good morning. <laughs> uh, I worked, uh, I took the federal test, and I was doing an internship in L.A., and uh, I hated it. Did you? I hated it. Uh, because of the area? No, it's because of lawyers are assholes. <laughs> they think like they're, you know what I mean? They're, <laughs> Their shit don't stink. Yeah, and uh, while I was working, like, I, I had uh, a, my youngest son, uh, eldest son, I had him at 21. But my mom was old-fashioned. I mean, she was going to watch him for me to go out, you know, and after work, you know, they'd all go out and have drinks and stuff, and... I had to go home. I had to take the bus to go home. So there was rumors that I was gay, uh, that I was uh, stuck up and everything. It's because after hours, they're all mixing and matching and all that, and I'm not into that. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell them all, you know, I have a son, I got to go home. But I hated it. And then one day I just said, And your son's father wasn't around? No, he was an idiot. I, I, I picked the worst of the worst. Every defect a man can have, he had it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And so you're working as a paralegal, and your son's 
uh, being taken care of by your mom. Mom, yeah. yeah. He was in daycare, and then my mom would take care of him. Uh, then one day I said, you know what? I hate this. Why? I had that. All I was at lunch, I remember just that pit that, oh, my lunch is going to finish. I got to go back. And you know what? I said, you know what? I hate this. Life is too short. I got on the bus, and I just said, adios. I came home. Didn't tell him. Freaky dies. <laughs> and yeah. so they they call you. They wonder where you're at. Well, I'm leaving. I don't. I, I don't. Want, I'm not working anymore. I'm not doing no more internship. No, no. So what I did is, uh, my friend, uh, I thought, oh shit, what am I gonna do? And then my friend says they're 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 hiring a waitress at my work, but you gotta start on New Year's Eve. Oh. I said, oh. She goes, you'll just be my backup. I'll, you'll help me. And then because uh, there was another waitress said she was not going to work. And the owner said, if you don't work on New Year's Eve, I'm going to f- hire someone else. Well, she didn't take him serious. And my friend took me and they hired me. Right on the spot. On the spot. Yeah. And uh, it was a blessing because it was a, it was called Cafe Renee in Uptown Whittier. And back then, I'm talking about. 35 years ago, I was making 100, 140 on tips and evenings, which was very a good. A day? That's a lot back then. Yes. So wow. I had my own apartment and I was able to uh, have my son and not have to fight with the dad for child support because that was another story. So I raised my son by, um, by myself. So you're... Out of high school, you're working as a waitress, and you're raising your son. Obviously, you still had support from your mom. Yes. Yeah. But uh, everything's going good. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go back to college after that, or you know did what? you think about it? I never did. Mm-hmm. I never did. It was after... Uh, After I, I had that job, I had it for a couple of years. Then I, I got sick also. I mean, me and my illnesses, but I got meningitis. From where? It was uh, viral, so it had to be from somewhere. So you were working as a waitress and you got meningitis? Yes, yes. Somebody brought it in? Yes. Wow. So, and, and then that's where I met my husband. He was... Uh, a bus boy, and then he would go in the evenings to learn how to cook. Uh-huh. And so that's where I married my husband. And next week, it'll be 31 years that we've been married. It's a long time. Yes. Someone would have told me I would marry someone from Mexico. I would have said, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Because, you know, they have the reputation of being machos. Yeah. yeah. My husband is not the one bit macho. And uh, he works hard. And now that I'm ill, he comes home from work and comes home and he does everything for me. I don't takes do anything. Care of you. He takes care of me. He literally took our marriage vows to heart. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. It is. It is. And that's why I said, don't ever, you know, the saying goes, don't ever spit in the wool because you might drink from it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, uh, a lot of the times you find these days where uh, 
people, it's easier to get divorced than have to deal with the problems in a marriage. But with your example like that and Maria's example of being married for that long, you know, you guys are setting good examples to your grandkids. Well, I tell my kids and they... It's, it hasn't always been easy. No. There's sometimes you just say, I'll oh, forget it. But then you think, like, no. There's no perfect person in, in as me or my husband. It's just learning to live with their their defects. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just learning to think it's not that important. You know what I mean? Because you don't want anyone else raising your children. No. So you just have to work through it because things will get better. It's like the streams, you know, you have the rough waters and then you see the calm. Mm -hmm. So it's just going through those rough waters because eventually you will see the calm. And, you know, I seem to tell people that uh, you don't know what happiness is without sadness. And so if you're in a marriage, you don't know what a good marriage is if you don't go through those conflicts. Right. And so how do you know to appreciate your partner if you guys can't go through those conflicts together? How do you know, you know, he's going to stick around if he hasn't seen your worst? Mm -hmm. And so you guys have obviously done that. You guys have seen your worst. You guys have seen your best and you guys bring out the good in people. Well, I don't know, but I have a bigger appreciation for him right now. Uh-huh. My heart just bursts when I see him because like I said uh, through my illness he comes home from working 13 hours and he puts sees, in on another shift. He puts in another shift taking care of me seeing what I need and I tell him because when you're sick your mind wants to do everything, but your body won't allow you. Yeah. So he tells me, what do you have to get up for? You, no, 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 just lay down. Lay, just lay down. Get better. Yeah, but your mind's kind of going crazy. Yeah, it is, because when you're not, you're not used to that, it's hard. When did you first start getting sick like this? It was on Good Friday. Yeah. Believe it or not, I mean, I... What year was that? Just this year. Two oh. months a month. Three months ago or two months ago. You've never had... Any kind of cancer before that or any kind of... Well, the, you said the meningitis, but, but that's that was, about it. That was 30-something years ago, you know? But yeah. no, it, it, was a, it was a shock to me to hear that I had kidney cancer and that it metastasized. Mm-hmm. I, it uh, went into my lungs and my liver. And now you're at stage four. I'm at stage four. And you're... I mean, I hate to say this, but you're just waiting to die. I ain't going to die. <laughs> I'm going to fight it. <laughs> I'm not ready to die. No. Uh, all I believe is it's what the Lord has. You know what I mean? I, that sounds cliche, but we all have our number. And it doesn't matter. You know, people say, oh, you got to have, uh, you got to believe, you got to have, uh, oh, what's that word they're always telling me? You got to believe, you got to have faith and stuff. It's not about faith, you know what I mean? Because I have all the faith in the world. But when the Lord calls us to come home, we're going to go home. That's it? That's it. And I still feel blessed. I feel blessed because how many people walk out that door, go to the market, go to work, and they don't come back? Yeah. 
Car accident. Car accident, mass shooting, and disgruntled employees. Being kidnapped. And they die. Yeah. So here with this illness that the Lord has brought upon me, at least I'm tell, being able to tell my kids, my grandkids, and my love, what I expect of them. Yeah. What I want them. I could say goodbye to my friends. They could come visit me and stuff. So whatever he has in the making, I'm very blessed. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate. Now you said that uh, you've been having more and more people come by to see you. There's not a damn day that don't come. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get flowers since for two months. I've had fresh flowers every day. Yeah. Uh, Your nephews come around. My nephews, my friends from church, uh, and then uh, the priests, since I, you know, I work for the Catholic Church, uh, they went to visit me uh, when I was ill. And me and Father Dennis from St. Mary's were talking. I go, yeah, you know, I, I'm very matter-of-factly. I said, you know what sucks, Father? <laughs> he goes, what? I go, you die and you don't even know the impact or what people think about you. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do you want to know? I go, I would like to know. So he arranged for me to have a, a mass, and he had uh, our, our congregation, he invited them for luncheon so they could go and talk about me and how I touched their lives and stuff. Really? So that was very, very nice. About as close as you're going to see your own funeral, yeah, right? where people yeah. talk. It was very, very touching and... Uh, if I go, I'm left with one, a beautiful memory of that because it was a very beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To see all those people and how you touched And them. I didn't even realize, you know, little simple things that you do just because from the heart that it, it impacted their lives. Mm-hmm. My wife talked about that before where she worked at an elementary school and the one thing she insisted on doing every day was greeting the children coming in the gate. And she said that at the end, when she had to leave her job, that all the children let her know that that really impacted them, that that's what they look forward to come to school. Not to learn or do whatever, but just to listen to my wife say, good morning, how are you doing today? And it's it's just crazy how the little things count. Yes. Yeah. The little things add up to big things. Mm-hmm. And you're a, a Catholic. Yes. And you've been a Catholic all your life. All my life. Yeah. And so <clears throat> you tried to uh, teach that to your grandkids? <sighs> this generation, uh, it's boring. Ah, yeah. But uh, I think we make a full circle. Right now they're not into it, but you know what? When they get older, they're going to need to find that spiritual mm-hmm. part in them, which yeah. we all have, you know? And I think we, as adults, too, have done the same thing, remember? Like when you used to hear Mexican music, oh! <laughs> and that, what do we like now? now? yeah. The Mexican music. So I, I call it the circle of life. We go back to where we started from. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel with them and religion. They'll find their way. Sooner or later. Sooner get or to later. It. Yeah. I, I do remember when my grandma used to take me to church and she used to make me pray with her and stuff like that. And so now I do 
think about that when uh, when we're praying at the house or doing you know going to church and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it does make a big difference. It does. Yeah. We all need to believe in something. Yeah. And so you've been literally here in Whittier for most of my life. Most of your <laughs> life. Have you seen Whittier change? Yes. There's a lot of lot more homeless now, but I think that's everywhere, right? Yeah, that's everywhere. But uh, like, and I have worked with homeless, you know, because I'm the director of the outreach for mm-hmm. St. Mary's. Yes. And April, I mean, uh, October 16th will be 25 years that I've been there as working director. There. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. A lot of these homeless, they don't want help. They're the same ones that started when I, 25 years ago. Uh-huh. They don't want to listen to the rules. They don't want to do, they want to do what they want to do, yeah. when they want to do it. You know, so all these shelters and all this help out there, it's great for families that want help, but a lot of them don't want the help. You think that's because they have mental illness? Or are they just tired of abiding by laws? A, me- a me- mental illness is part of it, but it's not all of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of them just want to do their alcohol and drugs, uh, period. Because a lot of these shelters, when you go in, you got to get tested. Do they test the, the, the homeless? Yes. Yes. And then, uh, like we have first day, you got to get tested. you got to be clean to get in. Oof. So... How many of them are going to pass? None. No. Well, I won't say none, but a majority aren't going to pass. Yeah. And it was surprising to me that I heard the other day that uh, I think last year, L.A., it might have been L.A. County, spent $450 million on the homeless. And to see the amount of homeless grow in L.A. County is just astronomical. The freeways, I mean, the, the overpass, and have the you gone to downtown? It's scary. Okay, so when you get in a car accident and your car goes up and hits it, who gets sued? Who's responsible? Right? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. And all those fires that they're starting and just, yeah. And a- some, they're getting violent, too, yeah. you know? They're getting violent, so it's, it's scary. I hear a lot of cases, too, of uh, the women that are homeless. They're being raped a lot. Well, let me tell you, I worked in the shelter. A lot of them are promiscuous, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have Even to. by their own? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to have to. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't be in the bed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I hear I hear a little bit of stories, but, yeah. So, <clears throat> you've worked with a homeless for a long time, and you've, uh, I see you, like, every once in a while, we come down and help you out, pass out different stuff to different people in need and stuff like that, and you think that gives you, uh, like, a gratitude inside, or does it uh, fulfill something, like a feeling that you have, or? It's giving back. Mm-hmm. If all of us could just give a little... This world would be a better place. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. You know, and when anything is given from the heart, it makes it that much more special, too. Yeah. It makes it really good. 
people don't want to come get food and then you be grouchy like, oh, you know, when you do it with kindness and a smile, it makes them feel good. Yeah. It makes them feel really nice. Yeah. And gives them a little bit of normalcy. Our operation, in fact, is going on right now. We're up to uh, 200 cars that go by now to our thing. Every two weeks we give out. But right now I'm, I've had to take a leave because I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Because you're Which I miss, I truly miss because I need a purpose in life, you know. Right now my purpose is just staying home and that's not fun. <laughs> no, no it's not. But yeah, and I remember uh, you you having a lot of fun and talking to all those different people. And yeah, it was uh, good times to see you out there doing that. Thank you. Yeah. And I know a lot of the people by names because I've been helping them for years, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you just need that little couple of days push for, you know, the end of pay period or yeah. their husbands. Because a lot of them are stroller moms or the husbands work, so they just need a little food for a couple of days until their husbands get paid. Yeah. So. Now, there's some arguments out there about uh, giving to the poor or this and that, that you would have uh, just people taking advantage of it. You know, there's always going to be people who take advantage. Mm -hmm. But that's on them, not on us. You know what I mean? You can't let it eat you because for that person who's taking advantage, there's really five people that really appreciate it and Mm -hmm. need it. So you can't let the ones that don't need it overcome you by just saying, I'm not going to help. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's shame on them, you know? It is. So I, I don't let it bother me or phase me. You just keep doing what I you're doing. I just keep doing it because I think, like, because there's people that really, really need it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're helping them out in every which way that you can. That we can. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Now, <clears throat> your grandkids... Do you think uh, they're doing well in school, or do you think that they uh, like the school that they're going to? Or? They like the school, but because of this pandemic, they weren't learning. Come oh, on. I mean, yeah. that virtual thing, like, no. I, I think they're behind, and I hope the schools make it up, you know? Mm-hmm. I tell my grand, you got to go to summer school. You, you lost a lot, and it's not the same. No. I don't care what anyone says. It's not the same. A lot of teachers had trouble with uh, the Zoom meetings because, you know, kids weren't concentrating or doing whatever. Or, you know, you got other kids and they're running around and they're talking and (laughs) the kids can't concentrate. No, they can't. So, no, I think uh, kids are behind because of all that. But hopefully we're opening up and we'll get back to somewhat normal (laughs) what that is. And do you think uh, we'll get back to some kind of normalcy, but not completely, right? Like Eventually we will, but uh, I still think it's going to take a while. Who said, I, I don't remember who said it. It might have been Gavin Newsom, but you know, some political official said that we're never going to shake hands again. That's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. That's, that's taking it too far. Yeah. And, and if it was him, shame on him because he is the governor of our state and 
he needs to live by example. Mm-hmm. He has to reach out and tell people we're going to be okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for him to be secluded like yeah. that and stay away from me type deal. Yeah, that's not going to work for many people. People need the interaction with they other do? people. You know, you you seclude yourself and then your mind just starts going and you can't uh, spiral out. You, you know, you spiral out of control. That's when you got too much time on your hands. That's when you spiral <laughs> out of control. <laughs> and you said your mind right now is just like, Making you want to do things, but your body is just not there. Yeah. My mind wants to do all kinds of things, but my body won't let me. I mean, I, I'm one who's always out and about, love yard sales, love to go spend. I'm actually saving money because I get stuck here in the house not spending <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, and your husband, what, where does he work at right now? He's a truck driver for Fresh Point. Mm. They deliver to the restaurants, uh, produce and dairy. But he cooks too, right? He used to. Oh. My son, uh, Nico, my fourth child, has taken over the reins. And what does he do? Uh, he works at Costco. He works in butcher. Oh, as a butcher. Yeah. Does he cook on the side or yeah. does he make oh my God. recipes? He, cooks. he actually cooks kind of better than my husband does. <laughs> <laughs> but my husband doesn't care. He says at least he gets to cook and I don't have to do it no more. Right. His friends will all pitch in. They'll buy good meats and Nico will cook it. Really? And do a really good job at it. It does an excellent job. Yeah. He's in Vegas right now, though. It's his girlfriend's birthday and she wanted to go to Vegas, so. Mm-hmm. Now, now that they're opening up Vegas, right? Yeah. Yeah. He said I, he called me yesterday to let me know he got there, and he says, "You would have never thought there was a pandemic because it's like business as usual." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, people are uh, kind of sick of being bottled up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. me run free. Yeah. And so now places like Laughlin, Vegas, and uh, I even hear like Reno too, like. People are out there just doing their thing, you know, trying to get their vacation in or going out to enjoy themselves, get tanned or something, yeah. I thought I wanted it because my Chewy brought me a wheelchair so I could go down the street and get sun. And I told the doctor, oh, my aunt brought me a thing. He goes, oh, you have to stay away from the sun. I didn't know you have to stay away from the sun when you're on chemo. Really? Does it affect you that much? Yeah. So that's the worst thing you could do. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So it's a learning experience, I tell you. Yeah. He says you got to stay in the shade. Wow. So I don't think Laughlin and all that would be a good idea. No. <laughs> no. Then you'd just be stuck in the hotel room. Yeah. And how many times do you uh, go to chemo a week? Or do you just do I'm pills I'm not going to chemo. I take chemo pills every day. Okay. Twice a day. Uh, I'm on five milligrams. They're going to up it next week to seven and eventually ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every three weeks, I'm on uh, immunotherapy, which is, uh, have you seen that commercial, Cutella or Cutella or Crutella no. or? It, huh? Trimella? No, it's with a K, Crutella. It's supposed to replace uh, 
the, the cells that the good cells that chemo has killed. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be, it's called immunotherapy, which my uncle Dolfo had told me about. And my doctor had said the same thing. No, we're going to put you on that. So I'm on clinical trials, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They asked me, will you? And I go, you know, you got a death sentence and you can help mankind for future. Let's go for it. You might as well do it. Yeah, might as well do it. Yeah. Because if it's not for me, it's for my grandkids. My nephews, my nieces, my cousins, you know. Do you think uh, chemotherapy is working? It has to be because uh, when I first started, I just I slept all day. Mm-hmm. I could not get up for the life of me. And at least now I'm able to stay up for a while. I, of course, I rest a lot, but uh, yeah. I'm able to do a lot more things. So I feel it's working. Have they uh, tried to tell you about any kind of, um, what do they call that, homeo... Homopathic. Yes, homopathic medicine. My uh, friends have brought me some, but I'm going to tell you, when you're mixing so much, you got already, your stomach's a melty pot, so some stuff doesn't agree with your stomach. Mm. So I'm going to lay off a little, but my sister went to Mexico. She still ended up passing away, but it prolonged her life. A little bit. And I always say, it's not the quantity, it's the quality of life. Yes. Because I'd rather have six good months than three years being sick all the time, you know? It's not a way of life. What did she die of? Breast cancer. She died of breast cancer. That had metastasized, mm-hmm. yeah. She was 48 years young. Well, you know, we didn't inherit blue blood. We inherit illnesses in our family. Uh, Do you think that uh, is in uh, hereditary with your family? Breast cancer is, yes. Uh, it's hit six out of the eight people in my family. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. They even uh, did a case study on us. And uh, I had the BRC, the Brock test. For breast cancer because I had uh, my mom died at 53 my sister died at 48 my older sister got it at 41 my younger sister got it at 43 so they took the test but I came out negative for the BRC but I ended up with kidney cancer so the doctor goes what the hell where did this come from left field you know right so, oh. even, even your nieces, right, have uh, tested themselves and they were my, like... Uh, my sister who passed away, my sister Joanne, her daughter Jenna yes. uh, was tested and she tested positive. For so the BRC. She, yeah, right? she had her uh, breast removed. Mm-hmm. Just to get on top of it. Just to get on top. You know, you want life or you want breast. Yeah. So she opted to have them removed. Wow. But what I, what I hear, she's happy. She, you know, she's doing her barber shop. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jen is doing very well. Yeah. She's doing very well. The boys went to her uh, barber shop uh, a couple years ago, maybe. 2019. Yeah, in 2019, and they uh, they loved it. Did they? Yeah, she, she gave them haircuts, and they, they loved it the way she... Uh, she's good. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, 
you know, when my parents passed, they left the property, and it was up to me to say, okay, let's sell. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can let them in. That's our cat, Russell. And then when I heard that my uh, sister, my older sister Patsy, had got pancreatic cancer, I said, it's time to sell. So, you know, people said, oh, you're going to fight over the money and stuff. No, we didn't fight. No? No, we didn't fight. It was decided evenly split. Mm -hmm. My sister who passed away, she had two kids. We gave it. To them. To them. Yeah. They split it. And that's how Jenna opened up her shop. Nice. So we didn't fight. There was no, there was no question of what we were going to do. That was the right thing to do. Yeah. It's not a matter of, well, he has more, he needs it or anything, you know? Yeah, you hear a lot of that. That, no, I need this for this much, and you guys can squabble over the scraps or whatever. It's horrible times when people let that side of them come out and dominate their lives. Oh, money's the root of a lot of evil. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Unless you have plenty and you're well taken, you said no. Give my portion, let them divide it because I'm okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there... I I know we talked about the pandemic and how the kids uh, have been, I don't know, just falling behind and stuff, but uh, is there a future that you would like to see where the kids are either getting back to normal or appreciating in-person learning or any of that stuff? Well, my grandkids are rambunctious, so I'm glad that they're going back to sports. Like the two, uh, my son's two ones, uh, starting football practice. Mm -hmm. That's good for them, you know? Get that energy. They they have a lot of energy. And my other grandchild, he'll be going to high school, so I know they all gain weight. (laughs) Sort of mine. Yeah, he gained a lot of weight, so I'm glad it's going back. Um, I just want them to know that uh, they saw this change that no one ever expected that they would live through or we would see. Mm -hmm. So it it should be a learning experience, you know? Yeah. And it's a lesson for us, too, that... All that little shit doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With, with what we've seen and what we've been through, let the petty stuff go, you know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, if you're angry at someone, reach out to them. Uh, if you've hurt someone by your words, apologize. Take that pride out of your yeah. life. Life is too short, and mm-hmm. that's what we, we never know, you know? For all these people that lost their lives by themselves in the hospital because of COVID. What was it? Uh, over 577? said thousand. Yeah. yeah. I know 11 people that died COVID personally. That's a lot. Yeah. My uh, niece's in-laws died. Both of them? You know the mayor of Long Beach, uh, Robert Garcia? Okay. Um, he lost his mom, and then a week later, he lost his stepdad. Oh. That was my niece's 
my my nephew's uh, grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. So, I think there's lessons, and uh, but out of everything bad, there's good that comes out of you know. Yeah. As long as you look for the good. Well, you have to. Or you can sit there and dwell on the negative. No, you. It's just not going to work, though. Thank God that uh, you're alive and you came out of it. But uh, we, we as people, we all can change, and we could change for the better. Mm-hmm. That's what. Because things like this happen, and then. Oh. <laughs> you realize you don't need all that. Can I close the door? Yeah, please. Alright. Uh, so Yeah, we don't uh we don't need to sit there and dwell on our on the negative parts of life and stuff like that, so it's uh pretty awesome to see that uh, you're still moving around and still doing things around here do you think that uh, in the future you would like your grandkids to pay attention more to their health and more to what they're eating and putting in their body yes what I'm trying to do right now is keep them away from damn hot Cheetos. <laughs> that thing destroys your stomach. Like, come on, hot Cheetos? And yeah. Does he want to come back? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the hot Cheetos thing is kind of crazy. That just messes up your stomach. Yeah. Oh, it's just playing. Oh, okay. What about... Uh, you see a big push right now where uh, you see where they're trying to make uh, cannabis legal. What do you think about that? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> what do you think I think is getting me to eat now? Oh, it's helping you out uh, a lot? It, it, it is. You know, one of the things is at first I wasn't. Then my daughter got me a vape. And then uh, my niece got me the TH, uh, the pills and little gummy things yeah and it's helping I'm, I'm starting to pick up my appetite and I think that's why I'm getting better okay I'm for it yeah I'm for it there's a lot of when, benefits in when it. you need it but just for the young ones like vaping and stuff no but if you need it go for it mm-hmm. I think it even helps uh, like even young people uh, you know 20 20 ish type the people anxiety well, anxiety, but uh, even even to focus on some some things, you know, as long as you don't take like an indica or something, but like a sativa will help you focus on different stuff like that. You know, when I grew up, I I seen that people were uh, using uh, cannabis, but they uh, there was a few times where uh, the person uh, let it consume them. And then they just kind of spiraled out of control using cannabis all the time. Well, as a mother, I'd rather have my kids smoking than drinking. Because when do you see two people who have been smoking fighting? No. 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 When they're drinking the alcohol, you know? 
that's when they're so I prefer them to smoke than to drink. Yeah. Personal yeah. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having uh, people who s- smoke some kind of indica or something get couch locked. Yeah, you're not going to drive. You're not going to do any of that stuff. And Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And uh, I think uh, within, what, uh, maybe the next 10 years, we'll see a full legalization in the federal system? I believe so. Yeah. Especially because now all the politicians are talking about it out loud, not just back doors or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, Even former Speaker House uh, Boehner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you think uh, any of the other drugs should be... Legalized? Like... I don't know, mushrooms? What do you think about psilocybin? No, 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 no. That's going too far. You think Uh, so? I think so. Uh, They have uh, this drink down in Central America where they uh, take ayahuasca. Have you heard about that? No. So they combine these two uh, plants from... uh, I don't remember where it is. But they, there's these two plants that they combine and make a drink out of, and people drink this plant or this concoction, and uh, it puts them on this trip. But the trip, it doesn't last very long. I think it's maybe a couple hours. And oh, that would be too long for me. But it, or it might be like forty five minutes or something like that. But the it kind of refocuses your mind on internal stuff and you kind of go through this process of trying to find yourself and uh they say it's it's uh for people who go down there and have a lot of anxiety and stuff like that they kind of come out of it like what am i doing why do i have this anxiety and then then they find the problems and stuff of uh, why they do that stuff but ayahuasca is kind of interesting um there's kind of a uh, there's some people that want to see it legalized here in America where you know you could go to like a clinic and take a a, a session from like maybe uh, 45 minutes and then come out of it like a new person I don't know I, I think that alters the mind like that mm-hmm. it's kind of scary for me so yeah psilocybin which are the mushrooms or yeah I don't know, I guess because I like to be in control, you know what I mean? And that's kind of scary for me. Before, though, you know how people used to say smoke would relax you. A person like me didn't relax me. No? No, it would make me paranoid. <laughs> but uh, now with this other stuff that have came, you know, the CBD uh, gummies and stuff, that has helped. Yeah. I guess it's not as strong or something. Well, there's different strains. Uh, so, you, you know, you can either take an indica or a sativa or like a hybrid, you know, 50-50, but uh, an indica will make you paranoid. Uh, no, I don't like being paranoid because I'm already paranoid. Or a sativa would give you like energy and stuff like that. Uh, so it all depends on what, what you take. Oh, okay. But that's good to see that it's, it's helping you out some. It is. It's pretty awesome. Well, I mean, uh, would you like to say anything else about uh, maybe to your grandkids or anybody else before we close this out? Oh, 
to my grandkids, I just always want you guys to be the best you can. Always strive for the stars. Be kind to one another and to others. Because, and when you can help people do it. Because today it might be for them and tomorrow it might be for you. Yeah. So I just always want them to be loving and giving. And that goes for my kids too. Don't judge people like, oh, they have money. No one ever knows the situation that people are in, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of people put facades, you know? They look like they have money, but they don't. There's a lot of people with facades out there. So don't judge people. Just if people are asking for help, just help them. Mm -hmm. And I just always be kind to one another. I mean, uh, they did a GoFundMe, and I'm going to say this. I was very humble yeah. and very gracious, forever thankful. Uh, I was having problems. Uh, I have a, a, it's called a pleuric drainage that the cancer is making fluid in my stomach. Yeah. And my husband's insurance didn't want to pay for it. And each one of those kits is 175 So I go through six or seven a week. So my niece says, oh, I'm going to do a GoFundMe. You know, I wasn't very familiar with, you know what I mean, yeah. GoFundMe. Or, and I thought, like, oh, no. She goes, no, Sass, you know, you guys don't have the money to be doing that. And within three days, they hit the goal. And I said, like, take it off because I don't want to over, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Just whatever the goal was. And I'm forever gracious and humbled by the people who helped. Because uh, one of my son's friend, you know, he's not a very wealthy, but he donated 500. And uh, I said, little, how did you... He says, you know, I was saving for golf clubs. I was going to buy some golf clubs. He goes, then I went to church, and it was about giving. And then I saw the GoFundMe for you, and the Lord spoke to me. He goes, this is meant for sassy. Mm-hmm. So he donated the 500 and that was very touching to me, you know? Very touching. Yeah. And even the people, you know, that donated five, when it's done from the heart, it means so much. Yeah. So I tell people, I will pay attention now because today it was for me and tomorrow it could be for you or someone else, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to You never know you. where... You when never it, know. Yeah. You never know. So I'm forever grateful. That's nice. It's nice to uh, let people know that you did appreciate that. It did impact you so much. It did. It really did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, you know, this many times, you know, we tried to... Uh, I look at people's past and try to see what we can learn and this and that. And uh, we kind of have to forget or we kind of forget that kind of sit back a little bit and just enjoy what we have. 
while we have it. Yes. Yeah. Because we're always striving for bigger, better, mm-hmm. and more. Yeah, trying to outdo the Joneses. Yeah. And, uh, I know. You live your life you, the way you are happy. Mm-hmm. Don't compete with anyone else. Yeah. Because it just, just doesn't work that way. It never way. stops. No. It never when stops. is it enough? It's never enough. So. Just to sit back and uh, enjoy what you got, whether you're poor, you're rich, whatever. You know, you can just thank God that you have what you have. Your health. Yes. Because all the money in the world is not going to buy you good health. Love from a person. Yeah. From your husband. Oh. From your kids. I appreciate them so much more. Mm Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That those are the blessings in life. Yeah. That money can't buy. No. And I'm, I'm telling you. Thank you, Louie. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see uh, everybody later. Adios. Well, that's it for now. I want to be clear on something. No one person grows up the same. Everyone has their own opinion and how they come up with it. That's why I started this so that I can understand you and your guide to your path. If we all have different strengths, then maybe, just maybe, we can learn from each other.